This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the Alpaca Tribe, the podcast for alpaca people. So glad to see you and welcome. It's still a time of watching and waiting. In some ways, there's not that much happening. It's that time of year. But there are things to be seen if you take a look. So let's have another wander around and see what we can see. The ducks have started chasing each other. (laughs) I'm making noises. They're excited and stuff. So that's another sign of spring. We've had this pair of Canada geese in most days this week. It's last week, so they're they're obviously getting settled, working out what's going on, and they've been checking out the the best breeding site, which is down on the finger, which is where the the land sort of sticks out into the lake. So it's a good spot. Uh, it's well protected, and. Uh, <laughs> Occasionally you get the alpacas will go down there. They wander down. They come They come along the side of the, the lake and they go down to the end. Uh, sometimes they go down there. They don't quite use the steps, but it's just alongside it. Sometimes they come round the side and they go along out onto the finger and they graze it down. So there's grass. Some Russian reeds sticking up as well. And it's one of these little clumps of Russian reeds that's in the middle of that. It's a perfect site for making a nest. It's been used every year for the last, I don't know how many years now, four or five years. And I'm sure it'll get used again this year. So the ice is all gone. We're in a lull between heavy rains. <laughs> Welcome to the spring. Or is it the winter? So we're not quite sure when the grass will start shifting, but it's, we've got some re- reasonable temperatures the next few days, so that's going to start things shifting a bit. It's better if you have sun as well, of course. At least the temperature's not going to hold it back. Grazing is an interesting challenge, really, isn't it? What kind of grass have you got? What's the best grass to have for alpacas, for grazing animals? And it's different to sheep and and cows. I think I talked about this before, but it's the taste and it's the the kind of the, the leafy quality of it rather than the high tall-growing, fast-growing grass uh, that's going to make for good hay or, or haylage or even silage. So the fast-growing stuff is less attractive and the slow-growing, low-growing grass tends to be more favoured. And you mix in a few things like timothy. I just love the fact that there's a grass or there's a, a herb in the, in the grass mix called timothy. I think it's great. Those range of things is really attractive to the alpacas. They like to graze on a variety. They'll pick and mix. They'll know what they need and they'll go for that. And sometimes you even see them grazing or eating some of the soil and you think they must be missing something therefore in terms of minerals. Um, they seem to be good at finding what they need. Uh, but I don't really like them eating, eating the soil. It just feels like I'm failing them somehow, which I probably am. And you do the best you can with the mix that you've got in terms of the the hay. And good hay is 
important and the better sort of softer leafier stuff is is the preferred I prefer it anyway it smells you want it to smell sweet I've captured the goodness of, of that time of year when it was harvested but um, the alpaca seem to favour it as well it's not just me and the, the, the longer fibre seems to stimulate the, the gut and it's a, a good thing for them to carry on having all year but particularly through the winter they're not getting it through the grass they need it through something else so hay is the best way They've been enjoying the, well, alpha rabies, the chopped off alpha. I mean, you can, less so in the UK. Doesn't, I guess it's included in some of the mixes, but it's not a major kind of crop that's used. You don't tend to have alfalfa like you would in some places, particularly like Peru, Chile. You'll actually get alfalfa hay. So, I don't know, I was trying to get hold of some seed and add it in, so it'd be over-sowing rather than ploughing and starting again it's worth watching to see what they're eating where they're eating it and seeing if there's some good stuff there that can be favoured in other places as well and what are they not eating and can that be <laughs> reduced maybe just cutting it back is the best you can do but sometimes a shift in the pH will help other species to kind of grow through again and, and bring a balance so we've got an area where we've got a lot of Russian reeds now that's partly because it's had recovered silt on there so it's had the seeds and the, the bits of sort of roots and stuff that have been added in with the silt which then means it grows you can keep it down you can strim it and top it and that kind of thing but the alpacas do eat it some but they're not it's not a favorite but they do like it long there for in the summer when it's really hot they will use that as a space to keep it cooler they'll lie in the long grass um, cool, I'm starting to see more of the more recent activity by moles. They're obviously waking up and getting on doing their stuff underground. It makes a mess of the, the field, and when you come to, to mow something, if you're not sure that it's there and you suddenly hit the <laughs> mound of earth, it uh, slows everything down and potentially blunts everything as well. So there's not much you can do with that, but it's just useful to know they're there and around. Another sign of spring. And we've got... Uh, yeah, down the far end of the, the valley, we get the buzzards. They're sort of circling around. This, this one at the moment, just circling around. You get the kind of the mewing cry from them. And the other end of the valley, on the top of the, the crown of the hill, there's a nest, which is where the red kites come. It's where they're based, in terms of, of nesting. Then you get these others that come in, and I've talked about those before as well, where we get these kind of gatherings of larger numbers and it's a bit of speed, speed dating I think they all come in and they all circle around and stuff and then they disappear again they're only here for a few hours and they're gone a lot of magpies this year we seem to get a, a rotating round through magpies one year and more the, the jays uh, the, the following year this year seems, seems already that there's quite a lot of magpie activity not much jay at all so I think it's probably going to be a magpie year. And the problem with that is they get into the stable where the alpacas are. Um, and they'll, well, they're not interested in the alpaca food, really, apart from clearing up a bit. But that's, they're not a problem for the alpacas. But they do go in where we've got um, the swallows that nest in the, the stable, which work very well with the alpacas generally. Uh, no, no interference with either side. But uh, the magpies get in there and they, they rob the nests. So sometimes you get two or even three rounds of nesting 
trying to get a get some fledglings, but it's just the the nature of the balancing of things, I guess. But yeah, so the, it looks like it's going to be a magpie year, so we'll keep an eye on that. And then the ducks and the, the so the ducklings they're they're more vulnerable if there's a lot of magpies around. And same with the the early stages of when the Canada geese. But it's interesting because the Canada geese they'll gather and uh, they'll come over and they'll cruise across and they'll they'll get up on the the bank next to the alpacas. They're very happy being around with the alpacas. And there's a <laughs> generally a mutual acceptance. The uh, the alpacas sometimes, particularly the younger ones, will get a bit more interested than the the geese are, are happy with. So that will be oh, they sort themselves out. And then the geese will come in, they'll walk them in, they'll walk in the youngsters. As they get a bit, bit older, they'll, they'll walk them into the field with the alpacas. And sometimes you get a bit of a <laughs> traffic jam at the gate where both alpacas are trying to come in and the geese are trying to come out. And, uh, yeah, they're eating all the grass and that's a competition. They're eating my grass for my alpacas. What are these geese doing? So I was amazed just how quickly and how, how big the geese grow just eating grass. But uh, they, they do well. So they, they, they're gathering. I saw them first thing. They seem to have gone off for the moment. Can't see them on the lake, but they'll be back later on today, I'm sure. The wind keeps coming and going. It's a gentle, much warmer breeze at the moment. Coming from the south-southwest, which is our normal, where the wind is coming from. So when we do the, the shelters, the field shelters for the alpacas, we'll tend to make that direction will be solid. So the the bottoms tend to be solid anyway. So we, we, if you can imagine, it's high enough so you don't bang your head, ideally. And that height, then half of that will be solid right around the base, so it stops all the wind. When they push down, they're protected from the wind, any wind blowing. And particularly around the southwest corner and, and back, so the side and back of the thing facing the southwest, we'll give them protection so that's the upper part is also solid. But then the rest is done with what's called Yorkshire boarding in this part of the world, um, or hit and miss boarding. So you've got the width of the board, then a gap, and then the width of the board, etc. So just thinking about how we we give them the light and the air and the sense of protection without them feeling like it's a dark cave that they're not going to go in. So they, they will use eventually anything, but not very much if it feels a threat. So if it's dark and they're not quite sure what's in there, then they're less likely to use it. If there's a small opening, then one of them might boss the entrance and not let the others in anyway. So having it wide enough, having Yorkshire boarding is, is really helpful, we found. We've got various versions. It's gradually changed over the, the time as we've added new ones in or expand, extended them. Bit of shelter, bit of shade, protection from the wind particularly, and also the rain, the heavy rain. I was up feeding the boys yesterday. It was so noisy because it was just hammering down on this this metal roof. And that was a, a bigger one we had. When we had that done, we, we actually put some uh, clear sheets in there as well. So there's some natural light that comes in. It's not much good when it's gone dark, but it's it's useful during the day. And that's also got a, an end on it for a, with an end on for the food. So I can get hay in there and have it in store. And when it's really frozen up, then I can put some water in there so it doesn't, in containers, which means I don't run out of water up there. It's too far away from everything to, to be piped, so it's just capturing the rain. And when, when the, the jolly old handle freezes, you can't get the water out of the tank. 
That's unusual. I thought about the, the, the lake sometimes with, with this, this water, that we could actually pump it up to the, the top end. I suppose we could use a petrol pump, but it's not going to be very desirable. There's a certain limit you can take out automatically, you're allowed. Uh, but beyond that, you have to get permission and pay for, for an extraction license. But you can take out, I think it's something, it's certainly be a thousand litres a day. And it was, I'll need to check the details again. Don't, don't, don't go up beyond that, unless you go and take, check your own details where you are. The ram pump is something that's, that's interested me for a long time. And basically, it's a 10 to 1 ratio, so it flows through the pump and creates some pressure. There's a little pressure vessel, and it, it, it creates the pressure, and that kind of squeezes it through a, a non-return valve. So you, for 10 litres flowing through, you get one litre pumped up through the outlet. And if it's narrow enough, you might get enough pressure to, to push it up the hill far enough. But it then runs itself. It's not quite perpetual motion. <laughs> Not quite free, completely free energy, but it's not far off. Um, you do get a little bit of noise, so you think about where you put it. But uh, it's, it was used a long, long time back by the Victorians. In certain places for the ornamental gardens, they pump the water back up to the top, and they use ram pumps. Um, so that's that's a vague thought in the back of my mind. I like the idea, but never had opportunity to invest in one and work out exactly how I would use it. Got enough hobbies, don't need <laughs> to add in that kind of thing. But uh, it could be useful. Um, otherwise, it would be a question. If you get a really dry summer, I have to start carrying water around. So it may be worth, worth thinking about pumping. But some of the soggy patches at the moment, I'm trying to discourage the alpacas from going to. That's where the mud snails are going to be and the potential for the life cycle, part of the life cycle of the liver fluke. If there's any around, hopefully there's not too much around. Um, but if you've had sheep on your land, then the chances that there's going to be some around and they can survive for quite a long time in the environment before it completes the life cycle. And if you're doing fecal testing for eggs, they don't consistently pump them out. Some, some of the parasites do, but the, the liver fluke doesn't. So sometimes you can do a test and it's clear, but it doesn't mean to say they're not there. So that's something to be aware of. And um, again, resistance is a challenge when you're treating for things like that. So mixing it round is useful, but work out which life stage you need to cover and, and protect for different times of the year and then uh, that, that would work better for you so it's a good day we're doing those few little bits and pieces and then we're back to surviving the wet the next few days and ever moving closer little steps by little steps towards the spring which is nice it's getting lighter at night as well which is always welcome but uh, they're just on the way out now to, to go graze, which is good stuff. And uh, they'll find a lot. I, I do uh, need to think about how we, we reduce the amount of moss that we've got. We've got a lot of moss. And it needs just raking out, really. Um, but it needs to be a time when the grass can grow in to replace the gaps, fill the gaps. So they, they particularly like that fresh grass as it comes through, the, the new growth. Understandably, it's going to, probably going to be sweeter and it's going to be nice, but uh, need a bit more sun. Get this thing shifting again into the spring. And we'll see what kind of year is ahead of us. There's a little pond here, which is just a kind of an overflow from the oozing out of the, the banks. And there's a little bit of a, a low point, which, which tends to then hold the water. And the frogs have been busy. We've got loads and loads of frog spawn there. 
that sadly I don't think it's going to make. This isn't a good place, guys. Don't don't put it here. I'm not sure it's going to have water in long enough for these to survive. They may hatch, but I'm not sure that you know. It's just it doesn't stay wet here, so it's there's not a lot I can do with that. There's some things you can control, some things you can't, and we work with what's here as best we can and try and favour the natural cycles, the natural growths, and and allow things to. Oh look, <laughs> I've just discovered there's a there's a a hawthorn single stem of hawthorn and I thought that was something else. I don't like it very much. It's good for, for hedging because you're not going to go through that but I don't like it so much because these vicious spikes, if you get caught by them then it's, they tend to become infected all, almost always if you scratch yourself, stab yourself with one. Some of this stuff breaks off and ends up, ends up on the ground and the alpaca's going to pick it up on a foot and, and get a, an abscess there as well so I'll probably have that bit out. Um... Yeah, it's a good time to be looking around and seeing what's there. As I was saying the other week about the low tide of vegetation. So now's the time. Now is the time. Because it's so wet. I'm not going to work in the wet unnecessarily. But uh, now's the time to be marking what work needs doing and start cutting back those bits and pieces. Tidying up, making things workable going into the year. I've got quite a lot of willows, self-seeded willows. You get so many willow seeds that just blow around and they self-seed and then they grow up. Now, they quite like the leaves and where they can reach them, they'll graze or browse the, the leaves of the, of the willows. And the willows tend to, we've got some, our type, I think. Uh, more hens chasing each other. The, the type we've got tend to sag and then split and crack. And I'm not sure people sometimes call them a crack willow, but not sure. But it's not the kind that you can use for making willow baskets, which is a real shame. But yeah, so they just need, now and again, tidying branches, hanging and that kind of stuff. Just need tidying up. Yeah, all the time the alpacas are extending their range. They go into more of the vegetation and will we'll extend the paths and things. And uh, do my work for me, which is nice. I've been busy pulling the foxgloves because they're so obvious at the moment nothing else as green or standing up as much so and they, they're coming out really well so that's that's uh, a good ongoing job we just keep the numbers down for that again they get so many very small seeds and they will just spread and spread so some thoughts about birthings there was a spontaneous abortion a while back and I still can't work out who it is so we're going to have to bring probably bring Howell down and just run the girls run him past the girls and uh, see who's definitely not interested thank you very much and who the other ones that might be and just check it against my list of probable pregnants and we shall see what we might be having later still a bit bit of time to go some of the girls some of the older ones are looking a little bit on the thin side they're still giving some milk to their career so there's they're, they're kind of losing a bit of condition but it'll it'll come back they're surviving through the, the winter reasonably well and we'll build, build their condition back up again the older boys seem to be doing right which is good grey hair is more obvious <laughs> it's true of all of us I know but there we go they sneak in don't they goodness me so they're they're around 
particularly obvious in the tail and top of the leg as it joins the body, just that kind of area, there's a little, that's where the grey hairs seem to appear. Can't notice so much on the lighter ones, but on the dark ones you obviously see the, the peppering. This is back to the, this is where the water runs off from the lake down into the tunnel, you can hear the water running. And some of the girls just meandering and having a look and having a drink from the the drainage area there that's that's nice and shallow. Hmm, so they all seem pretty happy and relaxed and getting on with being alpacas today, which is great. So I shall carry on getting on and being <laughs> alpaca shepherd doing some bits and pieces of mucking out now that they've moved away from the stables. And we can then keep all of that clear, ready for the next feeding, which comes around later today. Thanks for being here. Good to have you with us. And if you've got any thoughts or comments, do drop me a line. Steve at alpacatribe.com Love to hear from you. Catch you again soon. And if you can, go spend some time with an alpaca. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.